0: Good morning everybody. I'm glad everyone is here today. Make sure everybody gets to their seats. Good to have the the bishops with us all the way from Georgia. <clears throat> all right. Let's uh let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the awesome God that you are. Lord, you, you have you've given so much to us. And Lord, I pray that uh, as this week is Thanksgiving and we think about what we ought to be grateful for, the first thing ought to be our salvation and you and all that you do for us and, and uh, how you provide for us and all the things that even you don't give to us. Uh, God, you are great, you're glorious, and uh, I pray that you help us to catch some of that awe that we ought to have about you and just to worship your name as a result of it. Lord, as we sing our songs this morning, as we give of our tithes and our offerings, as we um, even listen to your word, I pray that it will all be done in an attitude of worship. And I pray that your name would be Uh, glorified today. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let me give you a couple announcements before we uh, get started this morning. Uh, This Tuesday, we're having a Thanksgiving service here at the church at 7 o'clock. We'll be be also uh, partaking of the Lord's Supper that evening. So, Wednesday night, there's no uh, Wednesday night service. and then uh, next Sunday is the last Sunday for uh, the Crossroads uh, Christmas gifts for the teens. Um, in, in lieu of doing the uh, Operation Christmas Child this year, we're, we're asking that you take whatever money you were going to do to make one of those boxes and uh, give it towards uh, uh, Jack Merkel and the, the teenagers out in rural Michigan. And uh, you can mark that on your offering envelope. Um and, but next Sunday will be the last Sunday we do that. Uh, well, we'll be taking uh, up money for that. Uh, and the December 2nd, ladies' ornament exchange at the Paternity's House uh, at noon. And then also December 3rd, which is a Sunday, uh, two weeks from today, we're going to be having a Make a Joyful Noise into the Lord Christmas Carol Sing. And uh, that's from 5.30 to 7. We're going to be, uh, there'll be some hot chocolate and cookies and singing and all kinds of stuff going on. So uh, if you want to be involved in that, even if you're not sure you want to, we want you to. Um, we, uh, so see Cheryl and Cheryl will uh, get you on the list and we will, uh, looking forward to that. So today's the last day to, to get on that schedule. All right, why don't you all stand with me, if you would. And we're going to begin singing this morning. Page 255, Down at the Cross. singing. next one page 325. All hail the power. sing, I want you to look around and say, hey, good to see you today. And you may be seated. <clears throat> All right, the last song we're going to sing at this part of our service is in your bulletins, it's "Same God. And uh, I'm going to do my best to sing, but... <laughs> My voice is a little shot this morning. Uh, But uh, we'll also be taking up our offering during this song. if he would ask God to bless the offering, please. All right, junior church, you are dismissed. Turn with me to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter four. Don't mind me; I just need to clean. is I wasn't planning this, but uh, if, uh, because I sing, I, I like to sing, I like to try to uh, do that sort of thing, I enjoy it, and uh, I used to be under the false impression that uh, to worship you had to sound good, <laughs> to worship God, and uh, this morning it just... That song just hit me. God is the same God no matter what. No matter the situation you're in. He is the same God. Uh, you used to be close to Him. And you're not as close now. It's, He's the same God. You just need to get back to Him. Alright. Turn your Bibles, like I said... I think I said, I don't know. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. We are in our next to last uh, (coughs) week of our sermon series on prayer, uh, Beyond Prayer, that's based on the book uh, called uh, It Happens After Prayer by H.B. Charles Jr. Uh, The title of our series is Beyond Prayer, A Biblical Perspective on the Power of Prayer. Uh, Lord willing, next week we're going to close out this sermon, sermon series by looking on... Uh, how we are to be praying with spiritual priorities. Not always necessarily what we want, but what ought to be the spiritual priority of our prayers. Now, I don't know if uh, you've noticed much in Paul's writings of God's Word. uh, the, The images of soldiers appear quite a bit. If you think about it, I mean that's really not that surprising, considering the the, the rule that they were under during the uh, the writing. It was they were under the Roman Empire, which had conquered its territories with a mighty army, and so it wouldn't it shouldn't surprise us that the first thing that he says in Philippians four is to exhort the church to stand firm in the Lord. So let's start there. Verse number one it says, "Therefore, my beloved." And long for, brethren, my joy and crown so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. You know, this brings to mind uh, a soldier standing their ground in the face of an enemy. We are to be courageous soldiers on the battlefield, not frightened soldiers hiding in the barracks. Uh, the The first nine verses of Philippians 4 is a call to Christian steadfastness. Uh You know, it's not the Lord's will that His people are wishy-washy. He wants us to be solid. He wants us to have a firm foundation. Christians should be strong. They should be uh, secure. They should be steadfast. And verses 2-8 through teaches practical steps uh, that lead to that steadfastness that we need uh, in faith. Now drop down to verse number four here. Uh, Verse number four. Uh, It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your uh, gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm sure if you've been in church for very long, you've noticed several of those verses. And we're going to focus on verses uh, 6 and 7 in the main part of uh, the the majority of the message today. And let's let's read those two again. Verse 6 and 7. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, the first thing that God uh, God is telling us that we need to do is that we need to bring our worries to God. That's a command. That's not a suggestion that's not like, well, if you feel like it. It is a command. Don't be anxious about anything. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, I get anxious about things. Not too much, but some of y'all are, are uh, have issues with that. You know, uh, some people might look at that and go, "Oh, okay, thanks God." You know, "Oh, I've got it now." You just told me, "Don't be anxious." Cool, I'm not anxious anymore. Uh, no, it doesn't always work that way. Uh, okay, let's be honest; it usually doesn't work that way. Um, and y'all ever have anxious moments? You don't want to admit it. It's okay, I get it. Uh, uh, but you know, some people have anxiety not just in a certain moment here or there, maybe once or twice a week, but it's like every day they're dealing with something. Others, uh, you know, they're they're burdened by it. For some, all they need to hear is, hey, don't do it. And they're like, oh, cool, I didn't even think about that. Okay, yeah, I'm good. Uh, But but for most of us, it's not enough. We're going to need a little bit more. And I think that's why God added more into it, and we're going to dig into that a bit more. Anxious, what does that mean? Well, in the Greek, it means to deeply, to be deeply, blah, to deeply care about something or someone. That's what it means in the Greek. It can refer to a proper or legitimate concern. I mean, Paul uses it this way when he uh, says of his spiritual protege, protege Timothy in Philippians two. He says, "For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state." But the word can also refer to a sinful or an undue concern. Jesus used the term this way when he said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Philippians 4.6 uses the term in this latter sense. that You are anxious, you are worrying, you are caring deeply about things that you ought not be worried about. Paul is not saying that we should be carefree and unconcerned about important things, important issues and people in our lives. He is saying that we should not worry about them. Legitimate concern can turn into sinful anxiety when we allow our hearts and our minds to be pulled into different directions by our circumstances. Faith pulls us in one direction. Doubt pulls us in another direction. Similarly, uh, hope pulls us in one direction, but fear pulls us in the other, opposite direction. And we find ourselves being pulled apart by worry. Now that word worry, you think, well it means the same. Well no, not quite. The word worry is derived from an old English term that means to strangle. To strangle. And yes, worry is an internal strangulation of yourself. Jesus told this parable of the sower and, and when he speaks of the seed being planted among thorns he says in Matthew 13, Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. So, the Apostle Paul wisely instructs the saints of God Christians, don't Be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. I mean, the grammar of this command indicates that the sinful anxiety was a present reality, not a potential threat. It was there. And God's not just saying, hey, don't worry, be happy. No, He's not saying that. He's saying, stop worrying. You need to stop it. Why? Because God commands us to. That's the number one reason why we ought not to be worried about those things because God commands us not to worry. What are you worrying about? Is it your family? Is it your health? Is it your finances? Your job? Your future? Whatever it is, God is telling you, stop it. Just stop it. But the Lord doesn't just leave us there with just a command to obey. God has given us an answer for your anxiety. And He's given you the answer for your worries. And you say, well, what is it? Well, what have we we've been talking about for the last seven weeks? It's prayer. That's what's going to do it. you say, well, I don't know, man. That, is, that doesn't seem right. That, that doesn't seem like it's enough. You see, every follower of the Lord Jesus Christ should let God. <coughs> let God do the worrying. 1 Peter 5.7 says, casting all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, God is worried about you. Now, not in the, the, the sinful way, not pacing the floor, scratching His head, biting His fingernails. Okay, No, God is sovereign. God is holy. God is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, all those things. So God's not going to have a panic attack. But he is worried about you in the sense that he is intimately aware of what you are dealing with right now. And he cares about your situation. He's worried about your sin. That's why He sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross in our place. He's worried about your sickness. That's why He has declared Himself to be the Jehovah Rapha. What is that? That means that's the God who heals. He's worried about the daily affairs of your life, and that's why He is the the Good Shepherd who leads us in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He's worried about your spiritual growth. That's why He's given the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures to facilitate our development in Christ-likeness. He worries about your future. That's why He announced that He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. As I said, God doesn't worry like we do, but He cares about your situation. And as a result of Him caring about our situation, He is actively at work on our behalf. Now we may not see it, we may not like necessarily the way he's going with it, but he is actively working on our behalf. Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Do you believe that? I mean, if if so, then what are you worrying about? Pray to God that he will take those troubles from you. Not the troubles. Because the troubles are important. Take our worried, anxiousness away in the midst of those troubles. You say, okay, cool. You say, pray your worries away. How do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. That's the next three points. Alright? In order to be able to pray your troubles away, if you would, you need to remember the privilege of, Of prayer. Remember the privilege of prayer. Look at verse number six again. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. This verse concisely states the privilege of prayer with two words in everything. Do you feel the tension there? I mean, stop worrying and start praying. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Nothing is worth worrying about, but everything is worth praying about. You see, you you need to just make that switch in your mind instead of worrying over it. Just say, okay, I'm giving it to God. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to give it to Him. Worry and prayer cannot coexist. Worry and prayer are, are, are two opposing forces, like fire and water, like truth and error, like light and darkness. So the, the way to be anxious for nothing is to pray about everything. And to be prayerful in everything. So if you dig into the commentaries, you dig into the uh, word studies, you'll find the word Everything. And when you look into that, and you you really look into the Hebrew, uh, not the Hebrew, the Greek, what that really means, (laughs) it means everything. Everything. Good days, bad days, so-so days. Things are going for you, things are going against you. Got a great job, got a horrible job. Got a happy wife, happy life. Have a miserable wife and a miserable life. Have a horrible husband. Have a happy husband. Have have great kids. Have horrible kids. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. You need to <coughs> in everything. You pray about it. There's no fine print, there's no qualifiers, there's no loopholes, no exceptions. We are to come to God about everything. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God has an open door policy, and I absolutely love that for those that are His. You don't have to be afraid uh, or keep your worries to yourself. (coughs) Our Heavenly Father is interested in every detail of our lives. It's like that parent or grandparent who picks up the little kid who's worried or scared and crying and they set them on their knee and say, hey, just, just tell me all about it. Just tell me all about it. It's okay. And what's even cooler about that when you think about it, God already knows. But yet God still commands us to pray to Him. And he still wants to put us up on his knee and said, "Just tell me about it. It's okay. There's a comfort there. Here's a pretty awesome thing. There's nothing too big for God to handle." A woman once came up to G. G. Campbell Morgan, which was a, he was a pastor and a writer. He says, "Doctor Morgan, do, do you think we should pray about the little things in our lives?" And he answered, Madam, can you mention anything in our life that is too big for God? He's right. Whatever it is, God can handle it. Let me give you a formula, okay, to, to hopefully make some sense of your problems that, you, that, that come up in your life. If your problems, well, let's say, if you have a big God, then you've got little problems. But if your problems are huge and big, and maybe your problem is that you've got a little God, you, what, you say, "What do you mean by that?" I mean, you're making your problem. If you look at who God is, God is omnipotent, um, um, omnipresent, um, um, omniscient, all of those things. He is a great God. What are our problems compared to Him? Nothing. Absolutely nothing compared to him. And when you say God has is the power to do whatever He wants, whenever He wants, however He wants, and we look at our problems and say, "Wow, they're really not that big." But if you're looking at your problems and they're more, and your focus is on your problems, you're you're, you're not focusing on God, and therefore the, that, that those problems just seem to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're thinking, "Oh, there's no way God can do anything about this." All of a sudden, your problems have become bigger than God, and you've got a little God now. That's not what God wants. God wants you to pray with confidence that He is a big God that can handle any situation. Whatever is going on in your life, God can handle it. Jeremiah states in 32:17, uh, "Ah, Lord, God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you." And God responded to him in verse 27 with a rhetorical question to affirm his prayer. He says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? In the Gospel of Luke, both the angel and Jesus affirm the truth that for nothing will be impossible with God. And what is impossible with man is, is, is possible with God. Did I say that right? What is impossible with man is possible with God. That's in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, and Luke 18, verse 27. There is nothing too big for God to handle. He's greater than all of our problems. But not only is, is there nothing too big for God, there's also nothing too small for God to care about. You see, the Lord actively is actively involved in in the monumental decisions, the problems, the issues of our lives. But He also likes to get down into the nuts and bolts of our life. God is the one who, who, who hummed the, the, the sun, moon, and the stars out into space. He's the one who has numbered all the hairs on your head. He is also the one who monitors the, the falling of every sparrow. The God who parted the waters in creation to bring forth the land was also, is also the God who turned water into wine for a newlywed couple who didn't buy enough wine for the wedding. There is nothing too small for God to care about. God cares about the things that embarrass you. God cares about your... Apl- uh, uh, Appliances that keep breaking down. God cares about those keys that you keep losing that keeps making you late. God cares about those extra few minutes of sleep that you need in the morning. God cares about the things that you think are so silly uh, you, you would never share them with anybody else. Let me bottom line it for you. If it, Whatever is going on in your life, if it matters to you, it's going to matter to God because He loves you. love that I love that I love that God is not just the God that died on a cross in our place he's also the God that says alright you could do this think back where did you put those keys <laughs> you know God's there for that isn't it amazing it's, when we lose something like our keys, and we're like, God, help me find my keys. And you find it, and then you're just amazed that God answered that prayer. Why are we amazed? You say, well, because it's such a small, stupid thing. But if it matters to you, it matters to God. It reminds me of when, uh, when Miss Lee would teach the little kids, and she loved going through the prayer requests with the little kids. Because they'd be like, well, pray for my, 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 my little dog or uh, my mom's nephew's cousin's third uncle's, I don't know, whatever. Uh, you know, uh, They're like, really, what does this matter? But you know what? If it matters to them, it does matter to God because that means if it's on your heart, bring it to Him. Nothing is too small to bring to God. Whatever is going on in your life, if it matters to you, it matters to God. So, remember the privilege that we have in prayer. That's going to help with our anxieties and our worries. The second thing we need to do is we need to rehearse the practice of prayer. I read of a a soldier who was court-martialed after he was found uh, that, well, someone thought he was asleep on duty. And his defense was, well, no, 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 I wasn't asleep. i have been praying. And, of course, the authorities didn't buy that story, and he was in trouble. And so the prosecutor mocked the young soldier during the hearing and said, since you're such a praying person, why don't you offer us a prayer right now? And, you know, you get some people in the gallery that's kind of chuckling a little bit. But the soldier took this challenge to heart, and he took it seriously. And then right in the midst of the entire court, the young man offered a devout Sincere, passionate prayer to God. And when he had finished, the charges were dropped. The court concluded that he never would have been able to pray like that under pressure had he not been practicing that kind of prayer before the pressure came. That sounds so much like what we've been talking about with Nehemiah. That when... Uh, when when the opportunity arose for him to finally go back to to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall and and when the king says what's wrong and he prayed a 911 prayer God give me guidance and the only reason God answered that is because he had already been in preparation for the previous four months prayer is a privilege don't get me wrong But not only is it a privilege, it's also a discipline. And it's going to take time to learn to pray. Anybody in here, when you begin to pray, you get a little ADD-minded? Oh, come on now. I know that like three of us are not the only ones. Okay, I know that. Because I struggle with it the same. Even just this morning as I'm praying to the Lord, I'm praying along and then all of a sudden I start thinking about something else. And I'm like, oh God, I'm so sorry for that. Please forgive me. I'm trying to focus on you. And then I'm going along. And then I start to think about what needs to be done. And then I'm like, oh God, I'm so sorry. And then I'm like, God, you made me ADD. Okay? It's your own fault. Um, No, it's, I mean, it takes practice and it's going to take discipline to be able to spend any amount of time in prayer where you're not wandering off. And that's why where the discipline comes in. If you're going to be able to pray your worries away, you must learn how to practice the discipline of prayer before the problems come and before the pressures come. What does it mean to practice the discipline of prayer? Well, I've got three things under here for you. Disciplined prayer involves time with God. The word prayer in Philippians 4 6 is uh, uh, the Greek noun that is the broad, the most broad, generic, all encompassing word for prayer in the New Testament. It is the act of addressing God, uh, talking with God. It's conversation and communion with Him. It is, it is the prayer that enjoys the presence of God and honors Him in worship. Paul uses it here to teach us that believing prayer involves time with God. That's why Paul then writes, you know, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. He is making the point that prayer should involve more than just saying, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Your prayer should be more than the reading of your sanctified wish list. Your your prayers. uh, Well, you should pray in order to spend time with God in personal, deliberate, and intimate communion with Him. And I think for so many of us, and even the church has caused this 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 problem with prayer because we think we gather together, we get some prayer requests, and then we pray over them. And and, 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 you know, there may be some thanksgiving to given to God. There may be some worship given to God. But most of the time, it's all about our Spiritual wish list. But that's not all that prayer is supposed to be about. If you haven't gathered anything at all during these last eight weeks, this is what I want you to understand. Prayer is a communication with God, it is more than just gimme the gimmies. We need. Prayer, And that's where the discipline comes in, to learn how to worship God, how to thank God. It's so easy for us, uh, for me, I'm just, it's easy for me, I begin saying, God, I thank you so much for what you've given to me. And, and I thank you for this, and I thank you for this, and I worship you for this. And, and then it's very easy for me to quickly start getting into my gimmies, you know, on my, my requests. And I'm like, no, no, no. I've got to stop this because that's not what God wants from me. God wants my worship. God wants my thanksgiving, my adoration. It's going to take discipline. Daniel's enemies were jealous of his promotion, so they plotted against him. Uh, Daniel, from the book of the Bible. I'm not talking about Daniel back there. Okay, right? Uh, we're talking about Daniel from God's Word. They, uh, they wanted to get him out of the position that he was in. And they, they knew he couldn't be bribed. They couldn't tempt him. They couldn't discredit him. And the only thing that they could do, well, they figured out that he was devoted to God. He was just too devoted to God. So that the only way to get him out of there was to convince the king to make a law that no one could pray to anybody else except the king. And that's in Daniel chapter 6. In verse number 10, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, the king agreed to it, and he went home. Daniel went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knee three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. But that's not where it ends. It says, As was his custom since early days. Don't miss that part. Daniel prayed just like he'd always been praying before. He prayed because it was his habit, if you would. It was ingrained in him. He had practiced this. This He had dis- disciplined to do this. Daniel didn't just start praying when the decree was signed. He was already praying. And so when, when he received the news that his enemies were, were plotting against him, he didn't worry about it. He didn't panic. Daniel just kept doing what he had already been doing. Praying. And that may be why our prayers aren't working. Because we're kind of like practical atheists. You say, what's that? We don't formally deny the existence of God. We know He's there. But we live like He doesn't exist. We forget when when life gets good. We forget God. Our prayers become automatic. Sometimes our church attendance becomes sporadic. And for some of us, our giving becomes a tip rather than a tithe. Our service becomes inconsistent with God. And our time with God in His Word is non-existent. And then when our money gets stretched and our body gets sick or our loved ones uh, become, uh, um, you know, having issues, we rush to God for strength, guidance, and comfort. (laughs) We shouldn't practice crisis Christianity only going to Him when we need something, you know, it's not really going to work. There's no satisfaction there. Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also what? Reap. Reap. You're gonna get what you've been given. The word well You can't plant wicked seeds and then ter- quickly turn to God when you see that, those, the, that that harvest is coming up is not what you wanted. And say, God, God, fix it. I, and I'm not saying that God cannot hear our emergency prayers. I'm saying that prayer without devotion to God is very presumptuous. In contrast, true prayer ought to be like a couple. What do I mean by that? You know, they, they really don't have to go anywhere. Special. They just want to be together. I remember when Stephanie and I were dating. Sometimes the only time we got is just a, like a, a few minutes before I had to go to work. And so we would walk around uh, the school that we were going to at the time. It was a dump around there. It was actually kind of scary in some of those places. But you know what? We didn't even notice that because we just wanted to spend time together. You know? It didn't matter where we were going. It didn't have to be anything special. <laughs> We were poor college kids. Not much special was going (laughs) to happen. But, you know, we didn't even have to have anything special to talk about. But we talked. Prayer ought to be like that. And it's not going to start that way. It's, It's only through the discipline of working on it. Authentic prayer involves time with God. Not only does it involve time with God, it also involves trust in God. Again, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God. The word supplication there, it refers to the act of entreaty or or asking. And the picture is that of an, an inferior uh bringing a petition to a superior. It is uh, uh, to pray with a sense of need. But supplication is not just about the act of, of taking your needs to God in prayer. It's about the spiritual implications of that act. By taking your need to God in prayer, you're not informing God of something that He doesn't know. You know, uh, um, newsflash. There's no news flashes in heaven. Okay, there's no breaking news. God is omniscient. God knows everything. Uh, Everything known, everything unknown, and everything knowable. You cannot inform God of anything. So by taking your needs to God, you are affirming that God is the only one who is going to be able to meet that need. That's what supplication is about. Supplication is a statement of trust in God. God, I'm bringing this to you because I know you can do something about it. It's a declaration of dependence on God. It's a simple act of confessing to God that that you are going to trust God with your situation. Jesus taught this in Matthew 6. Uh, It was the section of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus was directly addressing the issue of worry. And His position on worry is, is clear. It's simple. Don't do it. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or wear. Don't worry about tomorrow. There was a pastor and commentator by the name of uh, Gerald Mann. Uh, He suggests that Jesus does not tell us not to worry as much as He tells us to wait to worry. According to him, Jesus gives us only four times when we may begin to worry. One, worry when it will feed and clothe you. Worry when it will make you live longer or grow taller. Worry when you want to know how people who don't worry, react to problems. And worry when you want to make tomorrow worse than it's already going to be. Wait to worry until then. In the meantime, well, Matthew 6:33 says, "But first, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you." Worry is like sitting in a rocking chair. You can have all kinds of action movement. Right, You're rocking that thing. You can even get that thing going where it's about ready to tip over. But you're not going anywhere. That's a whole lot of action to not go anywhere. That's what worry is like. So trust God no matter what. Put God first in everything. Expect God to come alongside of you and place uh, what you need before you. The third thing that we need for disciplined prayer is that disciplined prayer involves thanksgiving to God. One reason many of us worry so much is because we are ungrateful. We don't thank God enough. And because we're often short on praise, we're also short on peace. If the, the Lord was stingy and inconsistent with His blessings, I mean, we would be. I think we would be more grateful for every single thing that He did. But God is not stingy in His blessings to us. He is extravagant with His blessings. His grace knows, beyond, knows no bound. I just said that totally wrong. I'm trying to say it's amazing, okay? It's huge. It's more than we can calculate. And because of that, We spend more time rehearsing what's not going right in our lives rather than rejoicing over the undeserved goodness of God. Okay, I said because of that. That's not the right phrase there. But in spite of that, we're complaining about what we don't have or what we do have that we wish we didn't. Rather than rejoicing over the undeserved goodness and grace and love of God, I dare you to make Thanksgiving a habit. I'm not talking about the meal, okay? I'm talking about the act of thanking God. When you begin to do that, I honestly believe that your worries are going to uh, maybe not totally vanish, hopefully, totally vanish, but they're going to get a whole lot smaller. And your doubts will dissolve and your fears will subside. Philippians 4.6 instructs us to make our request to God with thanksgiving. This does not mean that when your uh, prayers are finally answered, you should go back and thank God. No, on the contrary, the phrase with thanksgiving means that the gratitude is to characterize the very act. It's supposed to go along with it before you ever receive it. When you make your request, right then and there, thank God for it. Psalm 100, verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Uh, Be thankful to him and bless his name. If we obeyed this verse, it would revolutionize our worship to God. Too often we drag our worship, we drag into worship discouragement and defeat. We wait for something to happen in service to get us, I'm sorry, in the service to get us into the mood to worship. But that is not how it's supposed to be. We should be entering His gates with thanksgiving. You should enter His courts with praise. You should not need a musician or a choir or a worship leader or deacons or a preacher to get you in the mood to worship God. You should have that praise already inside of you for all that the Lord has done for you through Jesus Christ. That's why I honestly believe that uh, this author, Johnson Oatman Jr., was able to capture this attitude when he f- penned this song. When upon life's billows you are tempest tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. A disciplined prayer, the practice of prayer, the discipline of prayer is going to have time with God, trust in God, and thanksgiving. So, what do we do? What do we need to do to get rid of our anxiety as we pray? We, we, we remember the privilege of prayer. We rehearse the practice of prayer. But also receive the promise of prayer. Now, I've got some good news and I've bad news. Here's the good news. When you go to God and believing prayer, you can expect God to respond to your prayer. And God hears. That's the good news. God knows. God cares. God answers. God responds when you pray. It's great news, right? But the bad news is that He may not respond to you the way you want Him to. After telling believers to pray, Paul adds this in verse number 7. Look here. Look with me here. Philippians 4. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This wonderful promise affirms that God will respond when you pray. But it does not promise that God's going to change your circumstances. No healings promise, no new job, no deliverance, no supernatural debt cancellation, no promotion, no mister or miss right, no no miracles. The, the verse does not promise divine intervention in the midst of your circumstances, but it does promise divine insulation for your heart and your mind. And the promise that promise of prayer is peace. This does not mean that God is unable or unwilling to move in the midst of your circumstances. He is. But that's not the point. The point is that God is more concerned about what's within you than what's going on around you. God is more concerned about what's happening in you than He is what's happening to you. We want to have a life that has no problems. Because problems, man, they're hard, right? We don't want that. but that's how we grow in the Lord. And God doesn't always take us out of the storms of life. Sometimes He just gives us a peace to be able to handle it as we go through it. Have things really changed as a result of prayer? Of of our prayers? Well, maybe not necessarily. I mean, you may still be in a war zone. I mean the battle may still be raging the enemy. <coughs> the enemy may still be advancing, but even though war is raging around you, something has happened within you. God has dispatched his peace to guard your heart and your mind. And that's the promise of this text. In fact, that's God's promise throughout Scripture. Isaiah twenty six three, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Colossians three fifteen, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Him, Jesus Himself said in John fourteen twenty seven, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. God will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. People in your life who know what you're going through are not going to be able to understand why you're calm, why you're joyful, and at peace. And you're not going to be able to explain it either. Totally. I mean, because it does say, what? What does verse 7 say? The peace that... It's beyond all understanding... That includes even ours? I mean, we understand that it's from God, but we don't understand how it all works. Right? It means you can't totally understand it. You don't know, uh, you, <coughs> you don't know how you have so much peace in the midst of the confusion, but it's the peace of God. As we mentioned earlier, although King Darius had issued a decree pro- prohibiting his subjects from praying to anyone but him for thirty days, that didn't stop Daniel. From continuing to pray to the true God. For this act of devotion, Daniel received a death penalty. Darius, he put him in the lion's den. Put a stone on the mouth of the den so he couldn't escape. What happened? You know, what happened? Uh, Well, the, um, the king went back to the palace, but he couldn't sleep. Surrounded by luxuries... Protected by soldiers and trained guards, the king just couldn't sleep. He stayed up all night long. The next morning he rushed down to the lion's den and he called out to Daniel. And to, Dan- and to the king's surprise, Daniel answered with, Hey, I'm here. He says, My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth. The king couldn't sleep all night, yet God was keeping the lions quiet so that his child Daniel could rest safety. That's what the peace of God will do for you if you take your worries to God in prayer. I'm going to close with this. A ship was wrecked in a, a horrible storm. And the only survivor was a little boy who was swept uh, around by the waves and he finally got to this rock. And he sat there all night long until he was spotted the next morning and rescued. And they asked him, uh, were, were you scared? Were, you know, Did you tremble while you were on that rock during the night? And the boy said, Yeah, I trembled all night long. I was scared. But the rock didn't move. That's the testimony of every Christian who subscribes to God's answer for, uh, for anxiety. God's not going to move. You can have a firm foundation him. You can get rid of that anxiety. Well, you might need some help, and that's okay. But that wo- those worries, a lot of them can be taken care of by prayer. Giving it to God and leaving it in His hands. Would you stand with me as we go to the Lord in prayer? Lord, I thank you again. I thank You so much for Your Word. I thank You for prayer. Lord, it is such a gift to us that we have the privilege to talk to You. We don't have to take a number. We don't have to wait on hold or anything, Lord, that we can come boldly into Your very throne room. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today or someone that's watching online that is struggling with worry and anxiety, that they will turn to You and they'll give you the, those worries. But Lord, maybe there's some of us here that have not gotten into those serious situations yet. Lord, I pray that you help us to turn to you now and not have to do emergency 911 prayers, but have a practice of prayer. We are robbing ourselves of peace and joy and comfort and growth, and communion with you when we don't pray. Lord, you want to hear from us. You want to hear from your children. Lord, work in our hearts today and this week. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, maybe that's why their prayers aren't being answered because they don't know you. They don't have a relationship with you. What they need to do is repent of their sins. And to trust You for salvation. If there's someone here like that, Lord, I pray that You give them the courage to talk to me or someone else that's here so that we can share with them through Your Word how they can be saved. Thank You, God, for everything. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a verse of invitation. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Whatever your need is, I invite you to come. Whatever. being here today it's good to, to see you all here in the house of the Lord um, don't forget the announcements uh, see Cheryl if you want to be involved in the Christmas thing and uh, let's close our service in a word of prayer and uh, I'm going to ask <coughs> excuse me I'm gonna ask Dave Weber if you close our service in prayer
1: Father.